0: Mo Gordat is an international best-selling author, founder of One Billion Happy and a serial entrepreneur with wisdom we rarely get the privilege to hear. So he joins us today to share his thoughts on useful thinking. Over to you, Mo.
1: When we are forced to think deliberately, we tend to do very well when it comes to uh, the kinds of thoughts that we produce. The typical example to use is you could be incessantly thinking about an, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a bit of a, a conversation you had with your partner that was not very positive, and you obsess about it all the way to work, right? And the minute you go to work, your boss will say, "Where is that report I asked for yesterday?" And you have full ability hmm, to tell your brain, "Ah, uh, stop thinking about my partner. Let me think about the report. Where is that report?" Okay. So we are in control. Interestingly. Hmm? And if you notice your own behaviors in a professional environment or in a, at least a social environment, you will notice that sometimes you deploy a lot of skills around useful thinking. So what is useful thinking? OK, useful thinking to me is four categories. My, my, my next book is, is called That Little Voice in Your Head, and it's entirely around that whole idea of your brain. And I basically say that the, the answer to all unhappiness problems that are caused by the brain is to focus on four types of thoughts. One is experiential thought, which is to experience the world exactly as it is. The second is problem solving. The third is flow. And the fourth hmm, is compassion. So I say experience, solve, flow, and give, okay? Uh, And those are all thoughts hmm, that are good for you and they take your unhappiness away. So if we understand that unhappiness is caused by that idea of incessant thinking that is uncontrollably spinning in your brain, then your brain is capable of focusing by shifting that into one of the other modes. So let me give you an example. As a manager, uh, I tended to, in my career, uh, you know you know how it is, you start as, a, as an individual contributor, then you have people reporting to you, and suddenly 90% of your effort at work becomes all about managing the people, really, not the process, not the business. And when you manage the people, because people are wonderful entities and beings that are full of emotions, you probably spend 80% of that uh, listening to complaints where people would walk in and go like, ah, I cannot work with the legal team anymore. They're driving me crazy. They never want to get anything done. And then they walk out and the legal team walks in and says, those sales guys, you need to fire all of them, right? And, you know, that conversation continues to happen over and over. So I found myself doing something really systemic as an engineer. Anyone that walked into my office complaining, the first thing I did is I listened for their ranting for the first 10 minutes of the meeting. Then I asked them to experience the world as it is by asking them to actually tell me what is missing from the story that they said. Okay, so if they said, you know, the sales guys are always pushing for contracts and they never do this and they never do that, and I, I would go and ask... Is never the true story. Can you think of any time when they when they actually did that? Or, you know, if you say that they are so careless about the company's progress, can you think of a, a situation where they actually were careful about or caring for the company progress? Yeah. So I basically ask for the full side of the glass. Okay? And experiential thinking is normally about the full side of the glass simply because our brains are magnificent at finding the negative, the at, at finding the, the empty side of the glass, right? So if you let your brain go, 6 to 7 out of every 10 thoughts, 60 to 70% of the thoughts that come in, in an adult's brain is negative, okay? So experiential thinking is about deliberately experiencing the world as it is. And then in the last 10 minutes of the meeting, I would say, and so now that you've seen the full picture, you've experienced the world exactly as it is, not not only the negative side of it what can we do about this and what can we do about this is an incredible question for happiness it's probably one of the best questions you can ever ask it doesn't only take you in the direction of solving the problem that is making you unhappy okay it actually takes your brain out of your incessant thoughts into problem solving mechanisms Okay? And problem solving happens in very different areas of the brain. And because our brains are unable to do more than one thing at a time, what happens is the minute you stop, you start problem solving, you stop incessantly thinking, because your brain literally from a bandwidth point of view, from a megahertz point of view, cannot do more than one thing at a time. It can do, to be honest, around 1.4 things at a time. This is why, by the way, you can listen to one conversation but two conversations become very difficult to uh, comprehend. So by asking you to solve the problem, a few things will happen. One is you'll stop incessantly thinking and so you'll immediately, and please do that exercise, you will immediately start to feel better. You don't even have to find the solution. Sometimes all you need to do is to find the problem or to Put in your calendar a time to find the solution. So you could have, let's go back to the same example. Huh? You, you could be obsessing about a conversation you had with your partner all the way to on your commute to work when we go back to work. And you, you basically start to say to yourself, what can I do about this? And all you really need to do is to send a text message saying, hey, baby, can we talk about this over dinner? OK, and I promise you the minute you do that, a bit of the burden will be lifted. If you use the remaining time instead of obsessing about it, writing down what it is that you're going to talk about over dinner, just in a few bullet points, believe me, more of the burden will be removed. And you may end up actually not having the conversation because you would realize, by the way, as I experienced the world as it really is, it turned out it wasn't needed. It was, I didn't need to solve the problem because there was, was not really a problem to start with.
0: Well, I was just going to say, it almost sounds like the, the key to unlocking useful thinking from what you've said is actually, uh, you know, having a bit of a, a separation and schedule and planning conversation with your brain. Is that a simple summary? Overly simplistic?
1: It's really not that as simple as I make it look because it really is all about unwinding years and years and years of practice when we get engaged in a problem and the way we try to solve it, okay? This is why I really benefit from the idea of separation. Like your brain is a third party and there is that conversation between us and you can then treat the third party the way that you would treat a friend that is complaining all the time. If you had a friend at school that was complaining all the time, you would every now and then stop them and say, hey, by the way, can you think about this positively? Like can't you, because there is that separation. Uh, If we see our brain as us, which is unfortunately very prominent in the modern world, I think therefore I am, hmm? you know, suddenly you you listen to everything that your brain says, you you obey everything, you don't debate much. hmm? It's not I think therefore I am, it's I am therefore my brain thinks. And once you see it that way, that separation allows you to schedule, it allows you to object, it allows you to disobey, or it allows you to tell your brain, shut the F up. Like, seriously, stop complaining, shut the F up. Let's do something useful.
0: The way our brains are are wired uh, is Ultimately, we're driven towards creating habits, and those habits conserve energy because they're simple uh, behaviours. And the simpler something is, and the less we have to rethink our wiring on how something happens, the more energy we preserve. And that's obviously why we slip into some of these habits, even if Uh, compounding those habits over time is negative for us which is why when you say something like you know this process isn't quite so easy uh you know it, it draws me to think about you know the habit of how we would normally behave with a thought and how that wouldn't be a normal behavior to get out of that thought even though it's a simple concept you know hearing it is not quite the same as doing it in practice
1: but you see, this is the third topic that is really, really worthy of our attention, which is the idea of habits. Huh? Because habits, you started your comment, then by saying our brains are wired in a certain way. That's actually not true at all. Our, our brains are being wired over and over and over every single second of your day. You know, it's not pre-wired in a way that you can't change. As a matter of fact, you're wiring it as we speak. I, I do a very interesting exercise. So if, if, if you don't mind... Let me ask people who are listening to us right now, I'm going to ask you three questions, okay? I want you to note the answer to every every one of the three questions, but I also want you to note how quickly you answered it, okay? Question number one is, um, what did you have for lunch yesterday? When you note it, now you have an answer. It took you around four or five seconds, maybe, let's say. Uh, Another question would be, think of something that you really don't like about yourself, something that you want to improve. Okay? Once you have an answer, then let's take the third one as think of something that you really like about yourself, something that you really are so proud, you know, that you are. Okay? Now, rank them in order. So basically say, I I remembered the thing I disliked first. Uh, then I remembered lunch. Uh, and then I remembered the thing that I like about myself third. Okay. If you know the answer, if you found that you answered by saying the thing that you dislike about yourself quicker. Okay. That basically means that your brain over the years has been wired strongly to find things that you dislike about yourself. So our brains are simply like our muscles, but a little more annoying okay so in in you know in your fitness practice once you work out your muscles grow you can visibly see that when you if you if you do squats all the time you will become pear-shaped if you you know do you know um, benches all the time you'll be v-shaped right you can see it hmm? our brains on the other hand are contained within this little skull And within this little skull, you can't see the changes. But those changes are literally being rewired. Every time you find something you dislike about yourself, your brain goes like, whoops, I know how to do this. As it's well known, the neurons that fire together wire together. So you basically create a pathway that says, I can now do finding things I dislike about myself a little better. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and you do it again, and in the process, you don't think of the things you like about yourself. This, by the way, is very, very typical conditioning of our Western cultures, okay? In the West, we are motivated by our parents and our caretakers saying, oh, you can do better than that, right? So we're constantly looking for what we can do better, and we don't look at what we're doing well, right? Now, if that is the case, then you, by definition, are not like going to the gym to exercise and build muscles. You are going to the brain gym to exercise and build bad habits. Okay? And because those muscles, so if, if you, if you, you know, lift weights all the time, it becomes easier for you to carry a box. Hmm? Similarly, when you exercise certain parts of your brain more often, it becomes easier for you to carry that box. And that box could be Becoming negative about the coronavirus or becoming annoyed with British politicians or becoming uh, critical of every person that does something that you don't like. And by doing that over and over, what is happening is we're building habits. And those habits are mostly negative. And so everything about us, everything about our happiness that relates to our brain is literally about going to the gym. Okay, It's simply about identifying those parts of our habits that are not working for us and turning them into habits that work for us. Just like with me sitting in front of people complaining in my office for the first three years of being a manager and wanting to kill myself, ended up with a place in a place where I said, maybe if I ask them to look at the positive, then I ask them to solve the problem, that would be a more productive conversation. And then over the years, by doing that over and over, it becomes a positive habit. And then you realize that you can use those habits, hmm? use those developed habits in every part of your life, including how you deal with your partner, how you deal with your children, how you deal with yourself. Okay? And once you develop those new habits, everything changes.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain to get your free score from 1 to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.